Hi, my name is Dave, and uh, it is an uh, honor to stand before you today to do one of the greatest things that I could think ever could be done, and that is to just talk about Jesus and talk about his word. And I pray that this would be an encouragement to you today. The notes say that our uh, lesson title today is Championing the Law of Love, and, and yes, that's true, but I've kind of given you another title that's not there, but it, it is really Embracing the Obvious. Embracing the Obvious, okay? So that's sort of vanilla-ish if you think about it, because the obvious is uh, pretty obvious. Well, that's really smart. But I, I got to thinking about a few obvious things in life uh, that have, I, I, I tend to enjoy humor, I love to smile and such, and these are things that just make me smile a little bit because of how obvious they are. You know, for instance, it's really obvious the cat ignores you. True? Um, it, this is really important to me. Overeating can lead to weight gain. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we won't talk about that any further. Um, what, one of the things that just have, has blown me away often is sports commentators, particularly at the halftime. You know, these are the fellas that, and ladies that know everything there is to know. And they get there and they got all the fancy stuff on and they say, so Mike, what do you think is going to happen here into the second half? And he says, well, I'll tell you this. If they don't score more points, they probably won't win. And then my, my favorite of favorites has happened over the years as I've been able to travel some. You get on an airplane and they give you that little package that has peanuts in it. And you're so excited about it, but then you turn it over and it says, warning, contains nuts. Yeah, that is just amazing. Yeah, this is obvious. It's just so, so silly, silly obvious. And so uh, you understand a little bit now what I'm talking about when I come from this point of obvious. Just things that are, what do we think about? Nothing. It's just literally, they're just things that happen. It's almost like the woodwork in the church. Have you ever viewed the woodwork of Maranatha Baptist Church, that little wood line that goes around? No, we don't. Uh, we know it's there of sorts, but so what? Well, listen, I want to move from the ridiculous and actually move to what might be, just might be, another obvious in you and in me. I have to challenge myself all the time because obvious has a tendency to just overcome, a lot of times, my spirit. And it is this. It's our text. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. How many times, has anyone ever heard that? Oh, about most of you. Okay, yeah, it's pretty. We've heard it over and over and over and over again and to the point that a lot of times I'll be talking with somebody in the church or, or talking to people in the marketplace about religion or, 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 or about Christ or different things like that, and I'll hear it over and over and over again. Well, she loves the Lord. Well, he loves the Lord. Well, I love the Lord. And I, I hear that often. And is that a bad thing? No, it, it isn't a bad thing. In fact, it's a wonderful thing. But sometimes it's said in a sense of, well, it, that just comes with the program. Do you know uh, 
you know, you begin to talk to them about their eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. They say, well, I love the Lord. And right away, you kind of wonder, do they understand the truth of the gospel? It's a dangerous place because they've just taken the obvious and thrown it out there almost as this is my resume. I love the Lord, uh, and so he's got to figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm good with me. May I ask you this morning, maybe the, I'm, I'm moving from the ridiculous to the sober, but I ask you, do you love the Lord? Do you love him? Do you love your neighbor? I mean, really. And who is the neighbor? That's obviously everybody, right? Do you have a heart of love for others? That's our story today. I've been assigned to just actually have just four verses with you this morning. Uh, and I went to just look at it. It's very familiar. You'll hear it. It is a common story in the Gospels. It shows up at least three times in here in Luke chapter 10 and also in Matthew chapter 22 and in Mark chapter 12. Are they the same instances from different Gospel writers? I would tend to say probably not uh, because in all honesty, love the Lord your God, particularly in Matthew, it says it straight out. It's the first and foremost commandment. It was. It was in the law, the number one law of of the law of Moses was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so that was there in front of the Jewish nation, that law-keeping people, that staunch religion that said if you do this, you're going to be okay with God. And, you know, uh, it probably came up more than once in Jesus' ministry as he interacted with these law-conscious leaders of whom our context brings us to. If you would, please go to Luke chapter 10, if you're not there yet, in verse 25. And that's where we're going to camp out today. And if you need a pew Bible, there's one in front of you, page 816. We look at this scripture, and I'm going to kind of dissect it to start with, just word by word, and then uh, we'll talk about it personally. But I, I want to start with just some of these words that come out of this little common, obvious passage. It starts with, and behold, and I'll stop right there. Whoa, that's not a place to stop. We haven't even started yet. And behold, behold is a, a great word. It's an incredible word. Do you know that the word behold is used in the scriptures almost a thousand times? That's a lot. Of course, when it's used a thousand times, it tends to get a little obvious. And we just, did you know you sang it this morning? Did you know you, you said it in the call to worship? How many times? Behold, 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 behold. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, isn't behold some type of a uh, a kitchen product or something, you know, I, you know what, what's the difference do we have here when we talk of this word behold? Well, it's an incredible word and one that you need to stop for just a moment because guess what? That's what it means. In the Greek, it's just talking about the whole idea of look. It is that yellow sign. See the sign you're looking at uh, right there on the screen. I actually took time this morning to look at the yellow signs on the uh, side of the road as I was coming because they are suggestions and you're supposed to think about them, I guess. Isn't that what they're for? Uh, you, you know, bump. 
why is it a suggestion? Because I don't know how many times I've gone down the road and there's that yellow sign bump and it goes, oh, wow, that was really something, you know. Uh, and, and so you have this tendency to finally get to the point that, it, well, it's just totally obvious. Here's a yellow sign. Who cares? And then the next one, boom, you know, wow. Oh, okay, and it sets you back. But the whole idea is to stop. Look, something's changing. Something's different. Get some blinders on. You're walking one direction. You may need to just take a moment to turn your brain on and look. Look and see. And what's amazing is because Luke is where it is, it is kind of sandwiched together with this Greek language, but also with a Hebrew heritage. I'm going to bring you also the Hebrew word, which is hine. Hine is the other word for behold that you see often in the Old Testament, and it has the idea of look as well. Uh, As Pastor Andrew so kindly said, yes, about us, we have been able to serve the Lord, and one of the places we lived was Israel, probably my favorite place to live in all of my life and to serve him there. Uh, I, and hine was actually a word that's still used today in Israel. Uh, part of our ministry as we were there was to volunteer in the community that we lived in, and it was an agricultural community. We had a billion-dollar banana industry, and we had avocados, and we had mangoes, and we had olives, and there was just all kinds of things like that. So I worked, my job, my volunteer job was to work in the mechanics garage. I grew up on a farm. I'm a little bit handy with duct tape and baler twine. It works great. And uh, so I, I was a natural just to move into that position. One day I was underneath a tractor, up to my elbows in grease and dirt and so on, trying to fix one of the implements for the community. And while I'm there, I realized the need for a wrench, which is typical of what I'm doing, and so I asked my, my Israeli friend who's standing up, hey, could you give me 10 millimeter wrench or whatever it was? But this is the fun part because he go, went ahead, got the wrench, set it underneath the tractor next to me, and he said, Hine. And I'm sort of a silly person. I, 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 like I already told you, I love to laugh and so on. And immediately I'm thinking, what did he just say? He's, he laid a wrench underneath a tractor and said, Behold! <laughs> He's wondering why I'm giggling under the tractor, you know. Uh, but that is a word that they use today because it means, yes, here it is, look at it. But farther than that, it means pick it up, embrace it, it's there for your use. I say all those things, just simply say, my point is this. When it comes to this whole word of behold, dear friends, stop what you're doing. Scripture put it there for a reason. And it is one of those words that means it's for your good. Grasp it, embrace it, look at it. God has something for us to see. And that's exactly where it is in our context today because he's working with his disciples. He's training, he's teaching, and so on. And he tells his disciples, now, guys, behold. Okay, we're going to look. We're going to stop. Behold what? Behold a lawyer. A lawyer is the next word that we look at in this scripture. And this lawyer is not as the word we use often in our English language as a legal practitioner. Rather, this person was more of a professional religious leader in the religion of Judaism. 
Sometimes you'll see him uh, named scribe, okay? The word scribe in scripture is often the same as this word lawyer. Some of these guys, they, and in fact all of them, they went to a yeshiva or a school of thought every day. They studied, they studied, they argued the intimate nuances of the law. Continued to do that all of the time. The thing with them and the characteristic that is true of them back in Jesus' day, and we'll see this just in a minute, but I hate to say it with all my heart, actually using Romans 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel for them is that they'd be saved because they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. There is this whole uh, idea that still prevails in Israel where the religious leaders will get together and and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they don't do anything. Nothing. They are so much just like the text that we've been looking at and will continue to look at. For instance, this lawyer, if you look, the next word, he said that this this lawyer was, what was he going to do? He was going to put Jesus to the test. He was going to try to trap him. If you move forward to verse 29, which is next week's uh, message, part of it, he was desiring to justify himself. Desiring to justify himself, desiring to bask in his prowess, to boast in his knowledge, to put Jesus down and show him the Yehu that they that he was, this Nazarite. Interesting. So what we see that that was going to be him. He was going to reject Jesus. We already know it, even as we go into this text. But it's also interesting if we take a backward look. What did we study last week? As we listen to the message, we heard verse 23, Jesus teaching his disciples and said privately, privately with them, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and they did not see it. They, they desired to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. This man knew the law. He was going to talk seriously about the law. He had obvious, the obvious words of knowledge, but he never, ever, ever embraced the Father's will. Sad, isn't it? I love the Lord, but never, behold, embrace it. So we come to the, the, the piece of this, the rest of our text, which is the next couple of verses. And it, it is this lawyer now interacting with Jesus. And he says to him, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The obvious <clears throat> contains nuts. You know, there it was. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus says, okay. What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You answered correctly. Do this and live. And that's it. That's the end of the message. Well, 
I went a little longer in the morning, uh, earlier one, so I'll, I'll go a little longer with you because I can tell you want to. Uh, uh, Jesus just simply said, is that something? That's, that was Jesus' answer. It was not going to be debate the intricate law and nuances of the law. He just simply said, you're right, do that and live. I want you to think of this situation. You have to do this. Here is a law-keeping, religious, proud man contesting with the rogue preacher, Jesus. He was rejecting Jesus' offer of grace. He was rejecting any of that as a matter of, and it wasn't in any way, I don't even know if it was an argument about the gospel. It was just him wanting to try to put Jesus down and bring himself up. And Jesus caught him right in the middle of it all. You are not embracing what you call obvious. Which tells me very, very quickly that when we look at this passage, when the man said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and your neighbor as yourself, he had no idea what he was really, really, really talking about. He was, he was caught up really in just the, again, the obvious, the appropriate. Love is required to keep the law. Is he right? Yes, he's right. And after all, it's quite obvious. Uh, we are the keepers of the Ten Commandments, the scribe would say. All ten of them, if you look at them carefully, you will recognize that they are love commandments. Love God, love God. First five, love God. First, last five, love others, love others. Take your time and you'll see that the Ten Commandments that are commonly known by us as well as particularly the religious leaders saw this. And then you can go to Leviticus 19.18. Leviticus 19.18 is the very foundational verse. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then you can go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And chapter 6 has a lot of verses there that we could talk about. But I'll just pinpoint the one, and that is verse 5, which is called still today the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. At this very day, the religious Jewish people are wrapping their heads with a little black box that they place on their foreheads and they're wrapping their arms with bands, black leather bands that have scripture on them. And at the doorposts, they have what they call a mezuzah. It is a little decorative cylindrical uh, object that you can stuff um, scriptures in. And in every one of those mesuzot and in every one of those phylactery or tefillin, whatever you want to call it, is Deuteronomy 6.5. It is so obvious, it's right here. This is the law. Jesus countered with the simple truth. Do this and live. Now, I'd like to just to step back now and say, okay, Dave, so what? It's your turn. It's your turn to interact with the word today. I want you to look fresh at this. I, I would like to encourage you to behold here uh, this greatest championed activity called love. Because love cuts across every human culture. Love astounds every society. 
by its extreme contrast from the norm. And what is the norm? I can take care of myself. I hate to say it, but it's true still in us today. I would guess, ask the majority of people, hey, can I give you a hand? No, it's all right. They give you the hand. No, it's all right. Hey, can I? No. Self-reliance. We are weak. Excuse me. I can handle myself. Love reaches out, even in the midst of that smoke screen, and says, "Uh uh-uh, you need help. You know who did that the best? And that's why this is called danger. That's why you see all these yellow signs. Danger, the gospel. It is literally the principle of God himself giving to us his love where we did not deserve it, but boy, we need it. And most of society says, I'm fine, thank you. So he says, well, I guess we'll stop loving then, right? No, not God. Continues on and on and on. Praise to his holy name. And we watch this story of love unfold, even in front of this lawyer, as the most powerful summation of this God-given love that was personified at the cross. It was verified at the empty tomb. And then even continuing today, the very most powerful gospel witness on the planet is the love of God and our love back. How do we adjust today on earth to... What gives God great attention? May I just offer you three, I think, pretty useful responses to that question. And the first is asking you to refresh your understanding of love. Have you got it figured out? Oh, yeah, sure. I've memorized seven songs that have the word love in it. You know, uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know, uh, know, now that's a really old one. Some of you are going, what in the world is that guy? I don't know the new ones, okay? Sorry. But uh, that's what these pretty silver lines are for. But uh, uh, there is this whole idea, but it's the major theme of Scripture is love. You probably have heard several messages. You know, you go to your Greek and your agape and your phileo and others. And even in the Old Testament, the word ahav, which, by the way, uh, remember old King Ahab? His word meant love. His, lo- his name meant love. Isn't that special? It doesn't always work. But, but at the same time, it, well, do- love does work. Excuse me for you scratch that part. But, the, you know, the reality is, is that we've, we've done the studies. My favorite is the word chesed, which means mercy and grace. It's found in, in, the, in the Old Testament a number of times and actually found in the New Testament. We'll go there in John 5. Uh, the, the pool of Bethesda is Bethesed. It's the, it's the very house of grace. And we'll look at that in just a second. But uh, we see this over 623 times. This Bible has t- talked to us about love, and we've studied it and so on. So I took all these words, and I kind of scrunched them up and, and came up. I won't call it a definition, but I'm going to call it a summation. As I summarize love, love is a decided intention to cleave to someone in attitude, word, and deed. It is this decided intention. I decide to go forward in my attitude, word, and deed. We're certainly not talking about pizza here. We're talking about pizza. It's, no, we're not. We're talking about people. Uh, I don't, it's not, uh, 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 I love pizza. I love people. Two different worlds here, isn't it true? 
I just love the Buckeyes. Man, I'm very careful on that one. But it's not love for the Buckeyes. It's love for God. My intention to cleave an attitude, word, and deed. And this is why we can say to love the Lord your God in the truest sense is gospel. It's gospel. Another word we could use for love is faith. Because what is faith? Faith is actually cleaving to the person of God who loved us first, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. We cleave to the message of salvation like super glue. And what is that message of salvation? I, I tried quoting when I, we shared a testimony a few weeks ago, and I, I messed it up, so I'm going to try it again today. Okay, but it is a beautiful passage of scripture that I actually use when sharing with my friends and neighbors. It acts, I'm using the first, or John 3, 16 through 18 from the message translation, and I can actually just speak it to folks. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. And by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. My friends, that is the gospel according to John 3, 16 through 18. God's reaching out where we could not reach, providing for us. And whosoever would believe in him is our response back to him of simply saying, God, I trust you by faith. I believe you, my Lord and my King. I thank you. I love you. I cleave to you. And that message, true? Isn't that it? In faith and love, very, very close together. We can just pull them right on together. So with that, I'm asking you this morning, using our, my phrase today, would you refresh your understanding of love? Refresh is a now word. It, it is a now word. It is something that you have to think about now. Uh, think about the stuff in your refrigerator. Oh, just, this is my mom was great at this. We'd always go to her house and, you know, the, um, there'd be a pot roast on, on the table or on the stove. And she says, ah, slice that up for sandwiches. When would you make that, mom? Ah, two weeks ago. But it's okay. Not, it's not fresh, you, you know, and, but the, and this whole idea is sometimes I think we allow our Christianity to kind of lay on the table and we don't refresh it. I'm asking you this morning, refresh your understanding of this cleaving relationship that we have with God. If that means that you would say, oh, Lord Jesus, I need you. I trust you, my Savior. I understand now that I, I, I've been living on my own. I, I, I I, I've seen you up there, I wave at you, but I'm okay. You, I don't really need you. I'll, I'll ask for you when I need you, but today I recognize that my eternal life 
is absent or it is actually toward judgment for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, you've given me that opportunity. God, I have by faith trust you. Love the Lord your God. There it is. Or it might be on the other side. Maybe God has already blessed you with his eternal gift and you are there and you're able now to say really in the freshness of the obvious, God, I cleave to you afresh. Read the Psalms. You'll see this all the time where David just looked to God and basically said those in different words all the time, I cleave to you afresh. I I make my values yours. I, I, Psalm 1905, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, and circumstances get rough, God, sometimes, but that's okay. Just even like Jesus, may I say, like Luke twenty two forty two, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. And so both emotively and spirit and obediently and truth, I come to you, I worship you, I cleave to you my highest worth. Friends, that's love. That's the expression. That's a sonnet of love. God loves those kind of prayers. God loves those kind of prayers where we reach out to him. Would you just, how about you, would you embrace the obvious and freshen your understanding of your love for God? Secondly, would you just multiply the disciples' first love responsibility? We often, I don't know about you, but I, I've had to bring myself back to, in fact, I have this little war going on inside of me that I love to just take this first and foremost commandment. In verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's Two commandments. No, it's not. It's one commandment. God is asking us, not really asking, he's commanding his people that we would cleave to him because the process of that cleaving is like superglue and become indelibly like him. We will have love for our neighbors. You can't help it. It will, it'll ache in your soul as you think about those around you. So in, in your ache might not be a big ache. It might be a little ache. It doesn't have, I'm, I'm just simply saying that there's this pull of realizing the need for God in people. The thing of it is, is the key word here is multiply. Allow this command to just permeate your being. Make it intentional. Let it re- reproduce exponentially, however it's going to do. In other words, shrink it down to a primal thought. Hello? Choose to love. Choose I, C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, Mere Christianity, said, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you into something different than it was before. Each of us at that moment is progressing to one state or another. It's true. Our, our culture is deceptive. We actually, I wish I could, didn't have to say that, but that scribe mentality is really not far away. Because we like to talk about things. We like to discuss the little intricacies. In fact, sometimes we, and there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes we'll complain because not enough intricacies were, were explained. We wanted a little more. And I, I'm, 
I've even heard in my pastoral day, well, I'm not being fed. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you didn't discuss the little intricacies. And, and I'm all for doing that. And I think there's value to that at times. However, however, if there's no choosing, whether you discuss the intricacies or not, if there is no choice, if there is no, this is the word of God, I need it and need to change, then what value have we accomplished? True? See, there's this reality where we, there's a little scribe in all of us and somebody forgot to shut off their, that's my daughter. Can you believe that? She knows I'm preaching. <laughs> this happened to me one time. And she must have stopped. Uh, it, was, uh, it was the credit card company. And I was speaking and I forgot to turn it off. And I'm happy with my credit card. Thank you. You know, I, it's, oh my goodness. Sorry about that, folks. Anyway, um, sorry, Pastor. Uh, what a doofus. I totally lost where I'm at. I know where I'm at. Okay, that, that whole point of, of no choosing, no change. You know why? It, it because we have a tendency to love entertainment. Look at our houses. Look at our styles. Is there anything wrong with entertainment? There may be the sin of entertainment, but the reality, uh, God has given us all things to enjoy. There's no doubt about that. But when we get into the intricacies of Scripture, and that's all for entertainment, and we never choose, oh my, oh my. And that's why I would just ask you that you need to intentionally multiply this responsibility, an intentional response, because God's commands are deliberate. They're not entertaining. It really grabbed me this week as I thought about this love for God that spills over into love for others. And again, my desire to try to separate them and say, God, you know I love you, but the church, they have just done me wrong. So I'm just going to have time with you, and if that's okay, it's not okay. God designed his church. He instituted it. And guess what? We all are needy of one another and are blessed by one another, as uh, Pastor Aptly said this morning. We're blessed. So we can't just simply drop them aside. Well, Lord, God, I love you, and and I'm going to walk your way. And I'm going to seek your face. But you know the crazies that I have to go to work with tomorrow? Oy. You know, it is just one of these, no way, God. How can you love such a person? Because God so loved the world and gave his only son. See, the notion that we can love God and not love others just doesn't seem to fit. It requires our love. Multiply it. And folks, embrace, thirdly, embrace these creative commodities of just being like Christ because in the long haul, let's get practical, it's hard to love people today. I work in a, in a, in a business right now where I have a lot of sad people and a lot of grouchy people and you might have that same issue. It really doesn't matter where we work in the marketplace from start to finish, whether you're in retail, whether you're in blue collar, whether you're in white collars or whatever collar you got, I don't care. 
It's a lot of rough out there. And it's foggy. And Lord, it's really hard to make this command work. And this is where I want to invite you back to Bet Chesed, Bethesda, the pool. If you want to turn there, you can. We're just going to stay there briefly. But John 5, 6 through 8. John 5, 6 through 8 says, When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? The sick man said, I can't, sir. You may know that story. If you don't, please read it because it is one of the most refreshing stories about the love of Christ that I know of a man so sick and so in trouble. And every time, for for whatever reason, the pool of Bethesda God had blessed at that particular time, people could be healed. We'll read in a second. Every time the pool bubbles up, apparently somebody could get in the pool and the Spirit of God would heal them and it was a great thing. The thing, the problem with him was, is 35 years, I think it was, if I remember my texts, he had not been physically able or no one would even help him to get in the pool so he could be healed. So you know what? He was not happy. Don't you want to be healed? Are you serious? And I love what Jesus said at the end. Just looking right at him, almost like Luke 10. He just looks at him with the Jesus word, and he says, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. I can do this. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. And I think about that story, and I think about us stuck in where we are today, whether it's going to school and all the rules and the mess that's going on there, or the marketplace, or the government, or the country, or the world. Uh, I mean, we just, God, hello. And here he is to tell us today, stand up. Another way you could say stand up is, behold. Behold. Take up the love and embrace the love that I've had for you, that you're already loving me with, and multiply it and, and live in that creativity. How can you do that? Can I just give you, I'm, I'm, you ever work with super glue? You get a little dot, you know. It's amazing stuff. I think love is a super glue when I think of it. By the way, it works on lips too, but I didn't say that. I don't want to hear. You know what he said. You know, uh, how can we cleave, which is super glue, to others? in such a difficult time. Here you go, real quick. Love without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. First Peter, Peter says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Isn't that a refreshing statement? Say it with me. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. You could even turn it around. I was cleansed from my sins when I obeyed the gospel by faith. What a great thing. But watch now. So now you must show sincere, genuine, non-hypocritical love for each other as brothers and sisters. Make it your intention to love genuinely. Maybe a way to do that would be just simply that we might need to 
work a little bit, tweak our minds to reserve the word love for what it's really for. Thought. I love spaghetti. Let's say, you know, I really like spaghetti. I love the Buckeyes. Maybe you can say, I adore the Buckeyes. I, I have to keep it really high because I, I know that they're, I, I moved to Columbus just a few months ago and I have to be really careful there. Go Gators. Uh, anyway. Mm. Uh, I adore how about this? I love you. It's appropriate, isn't it? It's appropriate that we could reserve that love for where it really belongs. Just a thought. It might take you a little bit of English work, but go ahead, give it a whirl. It'll help you to love without hypocrisy. It'll help you to have that genuineness. Secondly, that second drop of, of superglue, love with hospitality. Uh, there's another word in this big word, hospitality. What is it? Here's spit. <laughs> Shame on you. You got it right the first time at worship up here. Now you say spit. <laughs> he didn't say anything. I'm messing with you. Hospital, right? A place of needy people. In the hospital, everybody needs help. It's what they need. It's interesting if you think about that in the context of love that there's a big old hospital called Your World. You know, it would not surprise me whatsoever if 10 feet from where you're sitting right now, there's somebody who needs you. You say, well, I don't know the person 10 feet from me. We're going to end here soon. Go find out who they are. Ask their name. Find out their story. Spend a little time chatting with them. In fact, you might be getting hungry. Take them to lunch. Go Dutch, if you want or, or not. But uh, get together and learn people. Love with a hospitality. Bring them over to your house somewhere along the way. But get to know, uh, you know, since God so loved us, do we have to stay segregated? Since God so loved us, can't we allow that spillage after a, after a while? Can you think about God's love spilling all over you? Can you actually wipe away the fog of but the crazies, but this, but this? You don't know this person. I don't care who they are. Let's love Christ's love. It's called hospitality. And third, that last piece of drop is just a love to a habit. If you're like me, it's so easy for me to let the message today just sort of sink into three words. That was nice. Maybe that's not the three words you're thinking. And it's okay. It doesn't really matter. But, but the point is, is that we can allow all of, the, of God's simple, obvious thought today to just kind of drift away into the casual. Because after all, next week we come back. No, wait a minute. Pull it back. Grab the behold and recognize that the Lord Christ would want you to focus right now and make a decision. Do you love the Lord? And do you love 
your neighbor. And as you say yes, listen to Jesus' words who say, you got it, do this and live. Another thing that he was saying was just simply, Maranatha, embrace the obvious. Father, we do love you. Increase. As the father, I, I, I think who, in uh, Mark, whose servant was so sick, daughter, excuse me, daughter was so sick. And Lord, you asked him, do you believe? He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that. I love that honest statement. Who, whereby I take that and say, I love you, Lord, but help me overcome my lack of love for you, for others. Help me overcome my pensiveness to step out beyond my own little cocoon and to embrace this obvious for the glory of God and the salvation of your people. In whose name I pray.